0: My name is Josh. Um, many of you guys know my parent, Ted and Brenda. Uh, I grew up in this church and have many, many fond memories of the people and what God has done in my life uh, through the people of this church. This church is not this building. The, the church is the people, and I love this church. Um, so I, I grew up in this church, and I am now a... Uh, campus minister. I've been campus minister 15 years, um, and over the last five years, my role has totally changed. I am no no longer on a local campus at Virginia Commonwealth University. I oversee a bunch of staff, and we have campuses at VCU, Old Dominion, James Madison, and Christopher Newport, and you guys are huge partners in that work, and I need to tell you thank you yet again. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, also, uh, my wife is uh, not able to be here. My kids are not able to be here. Uh, I can brag on them just a little bit. My wife is Jamie, been married 21 years this year. <clears throat> <clears throat> Kelly over here would say, there's no way that it would happen. Um, she knows me way too well. Um, uh my kids are caleb and catherine caleb 14 my daughter catherine is 12 and uh they are amazing i love them uh also just wanted to say this with you we're we're going into not really going into we're going to the second chair today um we're going to continue on in this message series and i have to tell you i'm excited about this you, most of you guys are like Oh, just another chair, right? No, I get super pumped up about discipleship. This is the most exciting thing that I get to talk about. And so when Will asked me, do you want to keep going with this message or do you want to do it like a one-off? And I said, absolutely, I will go on with the discipleship. And so we're going to be in that today. And I hope you get excited about that as well. But before we get started, uh, it's my habit, my my pattern of praying before we get into God's Word. And so I would ask that you would join me in praying. Father, you are the one true God. You're the one over all things. And God, we submit ourselves over to you today. We ask that you do your great work in our lives and that we can be changed by you and be transformed so that we can become more like you and your Son and the great example has been set for us. But Father, our hearts are also broken today for our brothers and sisters in Haiti and Afghanistan. God, we ask for your peace and your comfort and that you would just be there with them and they would just acknowledge you in the turmoil and the hurt. Father, we ask that you would be with uh, both Eric and Will and that you would give them rest That you renew their bodies and their hearts and their marriages. And God, that you would just do incredible work in them this week. And God, I pray also that we have so many students who are going back to college this week. And we ask that you would just go with them and be, that they would be your missionaries on those college campuses. Because God, you want those college campuses for your name and to praise you. And so, God, we turn that over to you. We turn over our young people over to you and ask that you would do your great work. And we pray this all, trusting in your sovereignty, God. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So in the last 15 years, and you guys all know I've been married 21 years, that was a huge change for me, uh, getting married and learning how to to uh, say, yes, dear. Um, But now, uh, in the last 15 years, my life has been totally transformed by having kids. Any parents acknowledge that? Kids change everything, right? Uh, You bring them home and you go, what in the world am I supposed to do with this thing? And you just do the only thing you know and you sit down on a rocking chair and you just start rocking and you start talking in weird languages and high voices and you start doing all kinds of fun things like feeding and changing diapers and and it changed my life. Uh, I, I did night duty. I don't know how many dads do, have done night duty, but I did night duty and every night at 3 o'clock for the first three years of my son's life, I was woken up by an elbow because I cannot hear. An elbow, which meant that I need To get up and I need to go take care of my son and so off I would go take care of my son and I would sit in a chair much like this one and rock my son feed my son change his diaper sing song to him whatever it took even sleep with him on my chest so that he could grow up and I enjoyed that time but it changed my life I now no longer sleep very much um i'm so used to getting up at three that i never sleep past four um it just changed everything for me right and if you're a parent do you know what i'm talking about that child has changed your life and the, we're talking about these chairs of discipleship and we talked about these kind of stages as will talked about it last week but it The first stage or the first chair is all about transformation. Surrendering our lives to Jesus, letting Jesus be king, giving ourselves over to be baptized into him and saying, You are my master. And this week is trying to figure out what does that really look like? What is that life supposed to be like? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to act? What are the words we're supposed to say? that's where true discipleship comes into place so we're answering the question what happened next so the second chair is really that's why i brought the rocking chair the rocking chair is really a place where you are growing up the first stages of learning figuring out what life is supposed to be like that's what the second chair is all about matthew chapter twenty eight verses eighteen to twenty says this hope is very familiar for you. If not, I hope it it comes to new life for you today as well. It says this, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, familiar part, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're going to dive into that in just a minute. But I want to just say this. This is Jesus saying these things to his faithful followers, his disciples, and a handful of others. And he says, you're going to go and make disciples of all the nations. Not long after that, he ascends into heaven. And you might think the story might end there. But the story is far from over. The church grows. The church becomes this ginormous thing. To this day, I want you to hear this, this statistic, this number. It's not just about the number. It's about how great is the work of the Lord. Listen to this. From those, from Jesus, from those 11 apostles, from the handful of faithful followers in the next 2,000 years, we have now 2.5 billion with a B. Christ followers all over the world. In 37 million church congregations all over the world. And you and I are one of the billions who are meeting in one of the millions of churches. Can you imagine how incredible that was when Jesus says, go and make disciples? And that just happens. Maybe, perhaps the most powerful vo- verse in the Bible when Jesus says, "Go and make disciples, and they do just that, but maybe we need to go back and think about where it all started' the apostle's relationship starts with a simple Follow me from Jesus in John chapter one verse forty three and these fishermen laid down their nets. The tax collectors put closed up their tax collector booths. The tradesmen set aside their careers. The farmers left their plows, and they followed. They followed him for three years. Put aside their families. Put aside their their desire to be sleeping in a Holiday Inn Express. They put aside all kinds of things that you and I would want in our lives and all the kinds of things that people in that day and time wanted in their lives. And they followed after Jesus. And Jesus, as he commanded, as he taught, as he modeled, as he set the example, as he did the miracles, he said, come keep following after me. Gave him opportunity to ask questions. He asked them questions. He gave them answers. Sometimes he asked questions back. That's the beauty of this discipleship relationship that Jesus sets him for before us. And this was just the first step of the Jesus' master plan. From the follow-me stages comes the words of, or in the words of Paul, he says the infancy stage. Comes the discipleship of the apostles. Comes the the new life, this consistent life that comes out of these apostles. this is where I call this the rocking chair stage. For three years, Jesus rocked these young men, taught them all about what it looked like. I remember sitting in a chair like this often in the nights. And sometimes when things got tough for my kids as they got a little older, we would get in the rocking chair and we just rock. Just spend time together. Sometimes I'd ask them questions. Sometimes it was a time of discipline and just holding them tight and saying, you're not the boss. I won't tell you which one of my kids that was. But the rocking is so, so important. to Spend time learning, growing, nurturing, become as Jesus has in mind for us. That's just the beginning. John chapter 3, verse 22, when Jesus is speaking to just after he just got done speaking to um, Nicodemus the Pharisee and talking about what this new life looked like. You know, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus was like, that don't make sense. That don't make sense. And Jesus says to his disciples, he says, he and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them, rocking them. And he baptized them. He helped them to know who God was and what it meant to live for him you and I need to follow the exact example that Jesus sets in just rocking people into this relationship with with him and so the first thing I want to just share with you is this Um, it takes an intentional choice to invest I want to encourage you to invest in someone To choose today someone that you want to spend time with. Someone that is maybe just getting started. Maybe you've seen them and they've been around for a while, but they really don't know what it means to live for him. Maybe it's somebody you don't like. Choose somebody today to intentionally invest in. Invest your life into them and invest your time into them. Let's go back to the, the, the initial verse, Matthew chapter 28, the, the great commandment. It's, it says, go, right? One of the things that I've come to learn is that that is a continuation verb. Uh, English, we have past, present, and future, right? Well, in, this, in the Greek, it's a continuation verb. It's a different tense, which means more like as you are going. So that means all the time you're supposed to be letting Christ rub off of you onto someone else. It means when you go fishing with somebody, sometimes it means you're going to ask hard questions or you're going to acknowledge something is difficult. Sometimes you're going to have conversation about something that is not about fishing. And it's okay because you are rubbing off on them. is somewhat incidental, somewhat just happenstance. But it's all in God's hands. Maybe it's, it's a, a buddy of yours, you're just getting together once a year and you just kind of sit down and you just talk and you let them vent and you let them just share everything that's on their heart and you get to speak maybe one or two words that change the conversation toward God. I just wanted you to see that this is an everyday thing. It may be something as simple as something you say at work. That light bulbs start going off in people's heads about what it means to live for Jesus Christ. I was just talking just a little bit ago with Chris, who helped with the sound, and Chris was saying he's an introvert and he wears this tattoo of a Trinity. And he says, This tattoo has led me into more conversations about Jesus than anything else in my life because I don't like to start conversations. What does it mean? for you to, as you are going. I think that's only you can fully graph what that means. The second thing I want you to see is that it says go and make disciples, right? That is an imperative. That is a command. That is a non-negotiable for us who are followers of Jesus. For those of us who are part of the church, it is a non-negotiable. So who are you intentionally investing in? Who are you letting invest in you? I, I have a number of guys that I spend quality time with, um, and every conversation always sharpens me up to Christ, and I hope it sharpens them in their relationship with Christ as well. The people like the Chris's and the Dave's and the Jay's and the Justin, they're special in my life, that they have sharpened my relationship with Jesus. And I've become a better man, better husband, a better follower of Jesus, and a better servant of his. Who is it that you are intentionally investing in? Or who is it that you need to ask to invest in you? And let me just say this real quick. This is kind of a little piece of housekeeping. Sometimes you're going to ask somebody and they just don't have time because they're already investing in somebody else. Don't get your feelings all hurt. Move on, find someone else, okay? This is too important. This is too important for us to not do this. In our ministry, um, our college ministries, uh, we call this our bread and butter, This is the thing that we are after because this is what Jesus commands us to. You know, he doesn't command us to to gather a huge community. He commands us to make disciples because disciples make more disciples. And that is what the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God is supposed to expand and grow. And so I want to be a part of the Lord's business. And so when I ask staff, I don't ask them how many people are gathered our, our one evaluation tool is this. How many people are you doing one-on-ones with? And literally, I want to know how many one-on-ones are you doing every week? How many people are you investing in regularly? I also want to know how many people total are you allowing God to speak through you into their lives? Sometimes these are... By happenstance, I'll tell you a story about a girl named Katie. Katie came to a Bible study one time, and she was the only one. <laughs> Permission from me, the Holy Spirit speaking, I just sit there and I start asking questions. Yeah, we, we want to get in God's Word. And oftentimes, God's Word leads to the questions that we need to ask. But in this case, situation, I've known Katie for a while, and, and Katie and I sat down and I said, Hey, tell me about your boyfriend." And she goes on to tell me, and I I asked one simple question. This is one of my favorite questions when I asked uh, young people who are dating. I said, does he have a relationship with Jesus, or does she have a relationship with Jesus? And Katie goes on to say, no, um, he doesn't. And I just simply asked this question, what do you think the Lord has to say about that? I just left it there. She kept talking, telling me everything about that. Uh, next morning she comes into the office well actually I'm walking in the office and she's walking out what I didn't know is that she spent the night in the office because she gathered up some friends from the ministry and they, they were just talking and praying together because she had just broken up with her boyfriend because God convicted her life that she was not supposed to be with this guy it's not Josh who says anything it's the Holy Spirit who infuses in that relationship and that conversation that is discipleship And it's beautiful. And it's awesome to see the power of the Lord work in those kinds of conversations. And so maybe you're sitting here going, I'm not really ready to do this. I pray that the Holy Spirit convicts your life today to do something different. To invest intentionally, to choose someone or someones to invest in. The other thing I want to encourage you with is that as you invest in someone, you also need to model. This is tough. This is tough. Because you're, you're trying to set an example. This is a way that we live out well, Jesus has already modeled for us. And according to Dan Spader's book, uh, Four Cherub Discipling, where we get this series from, there are six priorities that Jesus modeled for us. And I think these are things that we need to incorporate in our lives and model for one another. The first is this, saturation of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You and I need to let the Holy Spirit lead us. But we have to learn to listen. Listen. And we have to choose and learn to follow. Ugh. We're filled with the culture of like, it's me first. It's what I want to do. It, this is the direction that I need to go. Listening. To this voice of the Holy Spirit and following after His voice means it's going to change your life. So, pray, please, please be saturated with the Holy Spirit. The second thing is the necessity of prayer. Over 45 times in the New Testament, Jesus withdraws from the people and goes and pray. Yes, I'm sure he prayed in front of others. I'm sure he prayed before meal, And I'm sure he prayed a lot. But he also needed to withdraw. Our staff are required, including myself, every month to take a, time, a day, a full day, and get away and listen to the Lord and pray and talk and figure out what God has in mind. The third thing is this, obedience to God's will. Jesus says this in the Lord's Prayer, Your will be done. And as he prepares to, to die for you and I at the Garden of Gethsemane, what does he say? Not your will, not my will, but yours be done. Saying that to Jesus, or saying that to God, we need to become obedient to God's will. The third, fourth, I'm sorry, I'm losing track of my numbers here. The fourth thing is this the centrality of God's word. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 Jesus says do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets I have come not to abolish them but to fulfill them so in our ministry it's a practice that we don't we try to go straight through scripture we don't like to bounce around a whole lot because there's oftentimes we come to stuff that's hard it's hard to digest it's hard for people to say yeah I really want to do that And if we bounce around, sometimes people, particularly students, start thinking, well, that's just Josh's opinion or that's this staff member's opinion. And we go straight through Scripture because we want them to understand this is non-negotiable. This is not just my opinion. This is the holy, inerrant word of God. And therefore, it should change my life, And it should change yours. The fifth thing is exalting the Father. John chapter 8, verse 28. I do nothing on my own, but speak of what the Father taught me. It's all about what God has in mind. The sixth thing is intentional relationship. This is big for me. John chapter 13, verse 34, 35. It says, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you so you can love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I hope you join me in wanting your life to be branded by Jesus. So much so that he's the only one that's really acknowledged. It's not Josh. Jesus, and so happened that he has very little hair on his head and a chubby little belly and can't hear with all they can see and hear and acknowledge is Jesus. That's my dream. That's my hope. Hope is yours too. Here's a couple things you need to keep in mind. Number one, this this kind of intentional modeling relationship that we're talking about in the second chair, it's messy. It it takes time. And you're thinking, I don't have anything to give, then set aside something so that you do. It's that important. It's commanded. We have no other choice let me just say this to all those who are in leadership position, whether you're on the stage, or you're in children's ministry, or you, you helped set up the room, whatever you do, every opportunity that you are gathered with other believers is an opportunity for you to invest in someone else's life. Ask a simple question. What has God done in your life this week? There's nothing greater than just testifying what God has been doing. That's exciting. Don't just set things up. Have a conversation. Let that do a great work in your life. Maybe even testify to what God has been doing in your life as well. Third thing is this. Keep in mind, this this cannot be a program. It can't be something we set up and there's A plus B, B equals C. You know, we're not doing algebra here. This is life on life. This is investing this is messy, it takes time, and it takes a sacrifice. For three years, I met every Friday morning at 6 a.m. with two other guys. It was hard to get up at 6 a.m. when you've been getting up at 4 or 5 every morning and taking care of your kids. And, um, but it was worth it to spend every Friday with these two guys in Panera right down the road. Um, One of these guys was not a believer. He was investigating. He was searching it out. And uh, over three years, he gave his life to Jesus, surrendered in baptism. So excited for him. I couldn't believe the great work God had been doing in his life. Well, fast forward five years from then, we had stopped meeting. And I had an opportunity to have lunch with him just a little while ago. And he said these words. I wrote them down because uh, I needed to hear these words. He said, Josh, thanks for being a godly leader and mentor in my life. Without those years of you doing the Bible study and listening and advising, I would not be half the dad or husband or worker that I am today. It's worth it. It's worth it. Even if you don't hear those words, it's worth it. When you hear of students whose lives are completely changed and they're going into the mission field even though they got a degree in art, it's worth it. When you see someone say, I want my career to matter beyond... Just a title and a salary, and i 'm willing to live for Christ right where i 'm working in the school system, Carmax, Capital One, the hospital it 's worth it. I know it costs something. I have bought more cups of coffee in my life than probably all of you guys have drank in, in total, right? I buy coffee all the time for students. I hate coffee. I get water every time. Big glass of water. But it's worth it. It's what I'm trying to say. Jesus modeled it. It's the example that we need to follow. It's the example that the disciples, the apostles set for everybody else. And it's continuing on to this day. And unfortunately, it's kind of falling apart in this 20th century church. I'm here to say, let's get back after it. Because this is the pattern of growth. All right? All right. This is the pattern of true and genuine growth for not just you and your friend, but for the church. And we all want the church to grow because this is the community of Jesus Christ. So let's get about his work. As I sat down in my car and listened after hearing my friend tell that to me, I, I just sat down and I almost cried I wrote it down and I remembered wanted to remember exactly what he said and I remembered all the great things that came to mind from scripture but the one that really stood out to me was Hebrews chapter 5 verse 13 and 14 which says anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. There's a point where we have to stop rocking, we have to stop growing them up, and we have to send them off. And maybe you've been in a discipleship relationship for a while and it's time for you to send them off and say you need to go find someone else. I really hope and pray that if you want this in your life, you'll find somebody to hold you accountable. You'll find an elder, one of the staff members, and say, I need to be held accountable within the next six months, three months, two weeks, whatever the time frame is, I'm going to be in a discipling relationship because I need to be discipled. Or I need to be in a discipleship relationship so that I can invest in someone else. And again, if you don't have the time, carve out something so that you can. Parents, there's no greater discipleship relationship than a father or a mother and to their child. Invest in that relationship. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open to the great work that he wants to do in these kinds of relationships. Be ready to celebrate it. Be ready to acknowledge the God who's over all that and who's the one who's doing the work. And be ready to worship him. Let's pray. Father, if we come before you. We just acknowledge that, God, you are the one who set this, this great plan in place. And it's up for us to choose whether we want to live this out or just play the game. I pray that none of us chooses to play. The game. Pray this in the name of your son Jesus. Amen. I'll be right over here willing to pray, listen to you, um, lead you into a relationship with Jesus. I know that there's going to be some prayer counselors as well and in different parts of the room. I want to encourage you um, if today has really stepped on your toes a little, good. I pray that that actually. Spurs you on to doing something about it because that is the Holy Spirit speaking but also if we continue on and we respond to our God let us acknowledge the great sacrifice that Jesus made for us he is the one who gave his life for us so as you take the bread remember the body that was broken for you And as you take the juice, remember the blood of Christ was shed for you and me. May we all commune with Jesus. Lord, again, we come to you and just ask that you would be honored today in our communion with you. You alone deserve it. Thank you for the price that was paid for my life and my friends' lives. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen.